Chapter 49, NASA, Houston, Texas, Friday afternoon, 4.22 p.m., 1962. Oh, thank God. Help me out, buddy. Let's say I create a diversion while you say something crazy and stall these nutters, would ya? As soon as Bill exited the supply closet, Don took hold of his arm, leaning down to speak to him conspiratorially as he escorted Bill once again to the boardroom. Pushing Bill inside, Don walked quickly away with a subversive wink, whistling. Bill fidgeted nervously, noting with trepidation the two khaki-suited men in their seats behind the conference table, conferring in low, tense voices without acknowledging his entrance. Do you recognize this man? The older of the two men slapped a black-and-white photo on the conference table, a firm grimace thinning his lips. It was a grainy, blurry photo of the back of a man's head. Don? Bill offered uncertainly, looking over his shoulder to the door for Don. Don who? The same man tapped his forefinger on the table impatiently. Bill pretended to think for a moment, shaking his head negatively with a regrettable frown. A fire alarm blared, startling them all. The military men looked at each other and then at Bill before rushing from the conference room with apologetic glances and a request he stay put. Bill waited a beat, peering out the conference room door cautiously before ducking into the hallway with the entirety of the NASA staff filing from their respective workstations to the nearest exits. Janice caught Bill's eye in the exodus, her own growing round in fear as she pointed at him, waving her hands to catch the eye of the nearest soldier, shouting, It's him! It's him! That's the alien right there! Bill looked away, innocently ignoring her cries while noting the complete lack of response to Janice's screams for help. Bill walked calmly, relieved to find a second bicycle carelessly parked in the same nook, furtively mounting the stolen bike and riding as fast as his physique would allow back to Dr. Sanders' suburban ranch home where he knocked confidently on the door several times before roving the perimeter of the yellow house, peeking into each window but finding none without drawn curtains. Using his trusty credit card, Bill slid a lock up on the back window and rolled into an empty bedroom. After a cursory search, he realized there was only one actual bed in the entire house, and it was oddly located in the kitchen, next to the only other piece of furniture a nice, serviceable walnut grandfather clock, a sturdily constructed six-footer which sat beside the home's sole electric appliance, a boxy white vintage Coulair refrigerator with its tiny freezer and only a moldy tomato and a single can of beer inside. Bill slammed the refrigerator door closed in frustration as the grandfather clock chimed. For just a moment, it seemed as if the air in the room came alive, the hair on Bill's neck rising with a slight change to the barometric pressure. Panicking, Bill stepped into the pantry and slid the door closed, unsurprised to spy through the narrow slats of the accordion door a figure materialize in a flash, standing with their back to him, a full-length black coat dusting the floor so the owner's shoes remained unseen. A large brimmed hat, the one Bill saw earlier as he chased Dr. Sanders from NASA, obscured the face of the traveler, 
long silver hair bound at the neck with a black ribbon beneath it. Bill gasped, covering his mouth. It could only be the one and only Aunt Penelope, and he'd caught her using her clock red-handed. The woman cocked her head as if she'd heard his covered cry of surprise, and Bill could almost make out her profile as she lifted her chin to listen, the dark kitchen obscuring her face as she shifted, her leather boots suddenly visible beneath the heavy wool of her coat. Where had she come from? A bony hand reached out to adjust the dials of the clock. Bill felt dizzy for a moment, realizing belatedly he was standing unfortunately close to Aunt Penelope's clock as she reprogrammed it. Uh-oh. Boom. Whoosh. Unknown. Bill appeared on a bustling main street, standing in the hot afternoon sun of a spring day, a PA system squeaking and barking as various city officials spoke of the importance and great civic cost of the recent renovations to the city offices, courts, and Plainview Library. No one noticed him. Searching the crowds for what would be a conspicuous black coat, Bill loitered in the back, clapping politely between speakers. Spotting the flash of a silver ponytail tied with a black ribbon, bouncing over heads as the figure disappeared into the edges of the crowd, Bill pushed his way through the throngs to follow. Slowing his pursuit, Bill's ears perked up as the city council president finished her short speech, her voluminous permed hair blowing to stick in her lip gloss as she continued undeterred. Please join me in giving a big round of applause for renowned Texas artist Phineas Finkel for his donation of one of his brilliant sculptures to grace the grounds of the Plainview City Courthouse for all time. Bill lost sight of the black coat and hair, turning back to watch the stage, incredulous as a year's younger Uncle Phineas, his face fuller, the lines of middle age just beginning to show around his eyes, smiled and waved shyly, looking directly at and past Bill as he mouthed his thanks to the crowd for the applause. Motioning energetically to a giant triangular stone sculpture faintly reminiscent of a sundial. As the applause tapered off, the constituents of Plainview were invited to attend the local craft fair, have some lemonade, and treat themselves to a hot dog on the city. Bill made a beeline to Uncle Phineas, intent on alerting him to the momentous discovery of Aunt Penelope and all that would come in the future when he bumped the shoulder of a passing man and as he turned to apologize, found himself looking square into the eyes of one Jim fucking Sanders, albeit a younger, softer Jim, nodding pleasantly, murmuring, no problem, dude, as he went along his way without a hint of recognition. Bill, though relieved, spent a matter of moments realizing this meant the Sanders were already in plain view in what appeared to be the mid-80s, deducing, incorrectly, if that means anything to you at this point, that this must have been where Aunt Penelope made herself known. He continued desperately scanning the crowds for the hair and coat, but he'd fully lost sight of her. Changing course, he followed younger Jim as Jim whistled his way down Main Street, 
cutting across the road in front of what was a long-shuttered diner in Bill's time and ducking into a smallish storefront. The sign hanging to the left of the Haraza plant shop's cheery green letters read, Sanders Antiques, in dramatic black and gold. A small bell tinkled overhead as Bill stepped inside, immediately surrounded by the tick-tick-tick of at least thirty clocks. A row of small table and mantletop-sized clocks ran down the north wall of the establishment, winged by a wall full of mounted cuckoo clocks and several standing rows of full-sized grandfather clocks, interspersed with various displays of crockery, antique toys, and mannequins with jaunty top hats littering the claustrophobic space. What the actual fuck? Can I help you with anything, pal? Jim's voice asked from behind Bill. Bill grew nauseous. Boom. Whoosh. Whoosh. 